good, huh? Amen. You may be seated. It's great to see you. Great to have you around. Great to be on this side of the dirt, right? And that's what we, it's, uh, it's always good to be on the right side of the dirt. I wanted to encourage you, you know, I, I want to share for a couple weeks, I, I think, uh, just about uh, at, that, at that moment or at that time. And uh, it's important for us because you face situations and things just like I face situations and things. And God speaks things to you just like he speaks things to me. And, and it's at that time when he speaks to us, or it's at that time that we're in the fork of the road, it, it's, it's always that defining moment, like, okay, what are we going to do? Are we going to believe God, or are we not going to believe God? Are we going to act on what God says, or are we not going to act on what God says? And it puts us in a place where, where we have to make some decisions. And as we grow in Christ, our faith is supposed to grow. And we're alive. It says in the Word that if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are alive unto Christ. And if you are alive, then you should be growing. And if you're not growing, there's an issue, there's a problem. Maybe not physically, don't keep growing that direction, but spiritually, keep growing. You've got to keep, keep moving in the direction. I've always, God has always, as soon as I've, I've got to the place just about where God is, was bringing me, he's, he's challenging me with something else. And I was challenged a couple weeks ago and, and really felt like God said, you know, you're not believing for enough. You're not believing uh, big enough in, in some areas. And, and, and I, I, I didn't take the chicken way out. I just took, you know, what I thought would be easy. I took the road that I thought, you know what, I, God, you can you could do this real quick, real simple. You know, whatever that particular situation was in my life, I, I knew that if I could just if I could just get that, I'd be I'd be all right. That'd be okay. Don't settle for okay. Don't don't just settle for for half of what God has for you. Don't just settle for 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 being half the person that He created you to be. Be all of it. Receive all that He has for you. And I just want to share this particular, this particular message out of this series will be follow the light. And, and talking of not, not about like the bright light that shines and you go into heaven and that's, you know, not that one that you heard about in stories. But, but Jesus came into this earth to be the light. And, and he, he asks us to follow him. And I'm going to make some comparisons today. And I think sometimes when we read the word, especially the gospels, when we go back and we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we go through there and read, I, I don't think we realize what a strange situation it was during that time that Jesus came into the earth. That, that the things that he did and the things that he said and, and, and the people that he challenged and the truths and the laws that they had all understood for a long time and the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they've all built their whole world upon these, these laws and these things that they had created and the way that they perceived things. And then Jesus came in and he just wiped it all out. I, it, it, was, it was such an odd time. It was such a, a, a different, there, we look at it in the word. And again, I say this, uh, you know, uh, quite a bit. We have the word. And so we can see from our perspective, you know, that they should have got it right or they should have listened or whatever. But think about it in your life. When, when you first got saved or when God began to speak to you or God began to tell you something new or something that was different than what you thought, it, think about the, the juxtaposition of all that. Like, oh my goodness, that's, I, I, don't, I don't understand. You know, sometimes we think people should come into church the very first day and get saved, and we, we think they should, 
and they should. But how many of you got saved the very first day you got into church or the very first day somebody told you about Jesus? There was a soaking process that you went through in that. And I think in our lives, as we begin to talk about defining moments or we talk about at that time, there's a soaking process for us that God speaks to us like we said and like I pray in the beginning of the service, that he speaks to us in a way we understand. We, we hear it in a way that we understand. We see it differently than we've ever seen it. Why? Because he's moving us forward into a new thing or into a new season. And so as we go that direction, we have to realize that we will constantly be challenged in our own natural mind and abilities. And that was the thing in the New Testament, that especially in the Gospels when you read through that the, people that, the people that were irritated and upset with Jesus were being challenged. And they weren't just being challenged by the law that they already knew. They were being challenged by, by, by someone who came into this earth and said, your law really isn't worth anything anymore. And this is how things should go. And they're saying... Hold on, pal. Since the days of our father Abraham, we've, we, have, we have followed these things. And, and Jesus, he continually challenged them and said, I, I understand that. But if you really did know or you really did understand what that law was leading up to this point, the prophecies and everything else that came through, then you would understand and know who I am. And this wouldn't be such an issue. But it was an issue. And the people who really exploded and saw, saw Jesus do great things in their life were the ones who, who believed what he said and went after him. You know, you, you, you're holding on to, to some kind of, I like what Brad said because he said, God will use the foolish to confound the wise and he'll use the weak to confound the strong. And how many of you are great candidates for that because you're foolish and weak? And that's, that's where we are, right? We don't, we don't come to Christ knowing everything. But we do come to Christ many times with preconceived ideas and notions about things. And the word challenges us in that. And you're holding on to your baggage with both hands. I mean, I, I'm not saying that you have baggage and all that. The things that you understand and believe when you come to Christ, when you come to him, man, you may not know anything about the word, but you have all, you've got a preconceived idea and notion about life, about the way things are, about how you have lived about how you're always going to live, about what things are going to be like. But see, Jesus comes onto the scene and tells these guys, it's not like that anymore. And then he begins to lay down his new commandment that says you got to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And they say, well, that's not even the 10. Nope, but it's the new one. Can you, the whole group is like... Huh? And, and I'm not saying that he's going to drop new commandments on us in this time or in these couple of weeks, but I do believe if he hasn't spoken something to you that's revelation, if he hasn't spoken something to you that's new and beyond where you are in your level of faith, then maybe we're not seeking and searching him the way that we should. Because I believe that during this time as we open up our hearts, he begins to pour something into our lives. When we were speaking and sharing down at that camp a couple of weeks ago, on that last night, I really felt like God asked, God wanted me to do this. And I, I, I you know, you can, kind of build, you can kind of build things up. And I began to, to, to talk about different, actually, I did six messages in, in one. So I, did, I went through six whole messages that, I, that I've preached in one setting. So it was fast. 
but it was all moving and building to a certain point that said, God wants to speak to you tonight and he wants to tell you something. He wants to show you something. He wants to birth something in you. And then he wants you to take that and begin to proclaim it. And so right now, get out a piece of paper. And oh man, I'm telling you, these are teenagers. They, they, they'll write on their arms, they'll write on their sock, they're busting up their neighbor to get a piece of paper. It was amazing to watch. There were some of them who sat there like this and just watched, you know, and were taking it in, like many of us, because we know we won't forget it, you know, and just doing this thing. And then I said, you know what, I'm telling you, you're not writing some things down. Some of you are hearing some things. You swear you're never going to, you won't ever forget this. It's God speaking to you. I'm telling you, you're going to forget that. This kid goes, tap, 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 piece of paper, (laughs) you know? And there's one little girl on the side, and she did nothing but write for about 20 minutes. See, God will challenge you, and he'll speak things to you, and it'll bring you to a new place, but it won't make any sense to you. And we have to realize that when, again, when Jesus came on the scene, what he said didn't make any sense. We understand that he died on the cross for us to save us from our sins. He began to talk about that. He hadn't done it yet. And so when he talked about it, it was such a a strange idea. This idea that he's somehow going to make a way. Because in their world, good people went to heaven. But Jesus began to preach this thing that says, it's not good people who go to heaven, it's forgiven people who go to heaven. Whew, that ticked off the good people. He spent his time with the sinners. Why? Because the healthy people don't need a doctor. The sick people do. That ticked off all the ones who thought they knew everything. And we have a lot of people, I think, in the church today who have been saved for a long time who think they know everything. None of us do. None of us know everything. But as we carry these these truths or these perceived truths around, as we carry around some of our baggage with us, you know, with both hands holding on to these things, preconceived notions, preconceived ideas... God speaks something to you and you say, I can't possibly do that because of this baggage, because of these things and because of this stuff. You shake it off and think, man, that was weird. It must have been a bad burrito. You know, why would I ever think that? That doesn't make any sense. Odd things happen, strange things. You find yourself in the fork of the road in your life and you're thinking, well, I can't, I can't even, I can't, I don't even know what to do. Many of us just sit down with our bags. But it's this thing that Jesus began to talk to the people about Let go of what you have and grab hold of what I'm giving you. It was in in Matthew, you know, he says that that in in chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. You know, it says, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. He goes on though and he tells them how to do this. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and I'm lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, he says, is easy and my burden is light. Make a transfer. Let go of what you have and grab hold of what he's told you. It doesn't make any sense what he told you. Well, none of this made sense at the time. But there were people who grabbed hold. The centurion with the servant as he came to Jesus The idea that one guy in a separate place from his servant could speak a word and his servant would be made well. 
out there. Right? I mean, that's, in their world, that's near witchcraft. Blows, that would blow people's minds. Yet he comes to Jesus and says, I am holding on to, I know that if you just speak the word, he will be healed. Now to the guy who had the son who was demon possessed, he didn't grab hold like that in the beginning. He, just, he wanted whatever it took to make him well. It doesn't say if he'd heard stories about Jesus. It doesn't say if he'd heard things about healing and all that stuff. But it does say that he brought them to the disciples and they all prayed for him. So somewhere along the way, he had to have an inkling that this was possible. But when God begins to tell you something, don't stop. Don't give up. Don't get halfway and quit. Finish it. He brought him to the disciples and it didn't happen. But when Jesus came on the scene, he said, if you could do anything, please serve, master. If you could do anything, please help us. And he said, the question isn't in my power. The question is in your belief in my power. See, it comes back, it comes back to us. And he said, well, then help me in my unbelief. That's where we should all be. I mean, we're, we, Lord, I, we know the word. We've been around for a long time. We've been saved for years. We just got saved yesterday, whatever that is. Look, we are foolish in this earth, Lord. Show us. Bring us your wisdom. Bring us your revelation. Show us the truth so that we can go forward in you. See, because Jesus came into this world to bring life and to present the truth. That's why, that's why he came. He came to make a way for us to have life. But he also came, or else he wouldn't have written all the, or they would, the guys wouldn't have written all this down. He also came to teach us about truth. Not just to give us life, but how to live our life. And it freaked everybody else out. And in Matthew chapter 7, it's the end. At the end of Matthew chapter 7, in verse 24 through 29, we read the beginning of this a lot. Because verse 24 says, therefore, whoever does these sayings of mine, or sorry, hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. And when the rain descends and the floods come and the winds blew, beat upon the house, and then it won't fall because it's founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the, on the sand. And when the rain came and it descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell, great was its fall. We read that all the time, but it's the next two verses here that, that are interesting because it says in verse 28, and so it was when Jesus ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching. We take all this for granted because we're years later. Well, what were they astonished at? Well, this is, this is the Sermon on the Mount stuff starting in Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes and going on. He talked about the believers being the salt and the light. He talked about the fact that you need to love your enemies. Huh? He said you have to do good. You have to live right if you want to please God. He talked about all kinds of different things through here. That you can lay up treasures for yourself in heaven. Not just here in this earth. Say what? These weren't things that were talked about. In the middle of chapter 6, he tells them, don't worry. What do you mean, don't worry? 
I have to worry. I've got all these rules to help me follow these laws. I mean, I can't, I can't keep everything. I mean, I, I, I worry all the time because I'm afraid I'm going to do the wrong thing and I'm going to end up in a bad place. And he tells him, don't worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. Diligently seek first the kingdom of God. Well, for the scribes and the Pharisees, the, the religious leaders, that's, that was their job. But for the everyday average Joe like you and I, that, huh? I can diligently seek first the kingdom of God? I can lay up treasures in heaven for myself? Now realize, I mean, we, again, we're looking at it from a different perspective because we see it all as done. We see it as the finished work. We see that he's risen and we understand and believe that. We see all these things that have happened and come to pass and we, we've seen them in our own lives. We've seen them in the lives of people who are around us. But realize that the Holy Spirit has been put into this earth and been planted in your life to tell you and speak to you things to come. Those are things you don't know. And they're going to sound just as crazy to you sometimes as this did to those people. But who were the ones that believed it and grabbed hold? See, who were the ones that said, you know what, I know this is the strangest, this is the strangest thing I've ever heard. But I believe it. The lady with the issue of blood. She has no business being in that place. She's unclean. She shouldn't be touching anybody. There's bad stuff that can happen for her being in that place because she's supposed to be outside. She's not supposed to be around people. Yet she'll push through the crowd and grab hold of his garment with both hands. Why? Because she was crazy enough to believe that, that that would heal her. Crazy. Well, are we that crazy? See, like when God was speaking to me, you know, he said, why do you believe for half? Why don't you believe for double? Good question. Because double seems way too crazy. Half as much seems doable. So we have, we have to expand that horizon. That's where Romans 12, 2 comes. And you know, it, it says that, that his word is truth. Jesus said, I came into the, to the world to be the truth and the life and the light. That he came then to give us life and to teach us how to live our life. And then it's our job and our responsibility then to, to read, to understand. These people at this time, they were following him everywhere he went. And slowly over a period of time, they, they began to believe. Not just the, the 12, but the people who, who followed along with him. They followed him. And in Romans 12, 2, it says that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind to the what? To the word. To the ways of God. To the kingdom principles that are, that, are, that are in the word. To the things that the Holy Spirit is telling us. Renew your mind. What happens if I do that? I'm transformed. I'm changed. Yeah, but it's way too far out there. Well, then grab hold of it with both hands. To grab hold of that, if it's new, you have to let go of something that you thought might have been true. You might have to let go of something that was for a period of time in your life true to grab hold of the next truth that he's giving you. Sometimes once we figure something out or sometimes when God does something in our life, we never want to let go of that thing again. 
We put a stranglehold on it. We say, God did this in my life, and that's to encourage you in your faith. But as you move forward, it's to look back on, not to drag along with you. Because you can't grab a hold of the next thing that he has for you if you're still hanging on to the last thing. That there's a process, this renewal process, renewing our mind to those kingdom principles and kingdom dynamics. Realizing that the, the, the stuff you're meditating, the stuff you're thinking about, the stuff that's, that he's showing you, is, 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 it's out there. You may be new to the things of God. You may, you may not even be saved tonight. I mean, then this, this stuff is cra- really crazy if you're not saved. But if, I mean, you just got saved and people start telling you stuff. You start hearing pieces and passages of the scriptures. It can get very discouraging because people begin to say stuff like, you know what, if you give, it'll be given back, back to you, pressed down, shaking together, running over, men giving to you. Oh, oh, okay. And you get sick and somebody tells you, you're not sick, you can be healed by the stripes of Jesus. You're like, what? What are you talking about? And everybody begins to tell you these truths, but they're in bits and they're in pieces and you don't have a revelation of them and they haven't made a mesh on the inside of you. They they don't mean anything to you. They mean something to the person telling you or the person preaching or the person living it. It means something. But to you, it's like like brand new stuff. What do I do? How do I go from there? Keep getting in the word. Read it. Read it. Ask God for spiritually, just absolutely supernatural understanding and revelation of what you read. And don't think you're going to, everybody says, well, I've got to get it all figured out. No, you don't. If you wait to have it all figured out, you're never going to do anything. If we can get all our ducks in a row, if we can get everything figured out, if we can get it all put in the right place, then we'll be able to move. It ain't going to happen that way. Piece at a time. Piece at a time. Continual say what moments? How many of you believe something different than you did when you started this journey? You, if, if the old you looked at this you, the old you would say, you're nuts. Run, get out of that place. Right? You know that. Your, your friends have told you this is a cult. You've heard all that stuff. We don't have any snakes or anything. We're all good people. But see, the old, the, that old you who now has been renewed and been renewed and been renewed and gone stretching this way, stretching that way, made that decision, made that choice, sacrifice here, let go of that to grab hold of this, that person has grown. Living things grow. But it takes this idea that says, you know what? This guy's not crazy. What began to show that that Jesus wasn't crazy? The signs and wonders. People who were blind being able to see. People who were deaf could hear. People who were lame could walk. That that gets people's attention. That That got everybody's attention. And at the end of that passage there in Matthew chapter 7, he actually, they actually say, not only did, did the stuff he teach, like, whoa, man, that is out there. He taught with somebody who had authority. He taught like somebody who had authority. 
And they said, is this, and in Luke, I think it says, same, same scripture, same passage, same part, but it says, is this guy not just the carpenter? Is this guy not just Mary and Joseph's son from Bethlehem? But he speaks with such authority. And the things he began to speak and the things he began to talk about as the word then progressed past Acts and past the resurrection, then they began to see those things happen. And even the disciples in that moment, they said, we're not teaching the things that we believe and know. We're teaching the things that we saw and know. We're not teaching our gospel. We're teaching his gospel. Remember the one you killed. You religious leaders who know everything. Nicodemus was a religious leader in John chapter 3, and we'll, we'll read this story here just a little bit, and then we'll, we'll pray. But he says, Nicodemus came to Jesus, and it said there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night. He came to Jesus at night. Why? Well, who knows? Maybe he didn't want to be seen in the daytime with him. It says he's a, he's a leader of the Jews. I mean, he's somebody that, that, that know, he knows stuff. Yet he's, he's, he's intrigued. There are a lot of people who come back to church because they're intrigued. That was really weird. That was really strange. I don't get it. But for some odd reason, I like it. For some odd, I, I can't get away. There have been people here over the years who heard somebody pray, pray in tongues, and then they, they, like, they like bolt out the door, and they're like, they left because, you know, they heard that person praying in tongues. Don't worry, they'll be back. They'll come back. That, that, that'll never, they'll never forget that. And yeah, that is, that's odd. That's different. And in many cases, it's just as different and odd today as it was then, Right? When they all spilled out of that room, what did those people say? Whoa, they're all drunk. What do people say now? Whoa, whoa, no, that's just crazy. You're just babbling, you're weird. Not a whole lot different. But it says, Nick, anyway, we digress. Nicodemus <laughs> says he was a ruler. And it says this, now hold on, I got, I'm working on these contacts. I got one close and one far. So if I start walking in circles, just point me in the right direction, we'll be all right. It's, I was really, I was, I didn't think this was going to work, but th this is, this has worked. I, I, I don't even have to do this either to read this way or whatever. I, I, I can, I'm working it out. But it says, this man came to Jesus by night and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. See, he, he all, now he knows. We know that you're a teacher who's come from God for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him and said to him, Most assuredly, I'd say to you, unless one is born of the Spirit or born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said, Whoa, 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 whoa. I know you're from God and you have come here because the signs and wonders nobody else could do unless they were from God. And then Jesus says, You want, you want to go a little farther? You're not going to get to see him unless you're born again. Then he begins to explain to him, right, the born-again thing. 
The thing that says you have to be born of not just the water naturally, but you have to be born of the Spirit of God as well. Now, Jesus is still standing there, and the born-again part comes after he's on the cross. But he's telling this guy who, who know, he, he knows that he's from God, and he's following along a little bit, but then Jesus just pulls the chain a little more. And if you go on in verse 9, it says, And Nicodemus answered and said to him, Huh, how can these things be? Broaden your horizons spiritually. He said, Huh, you don't say. I don't understand it. And Jesus looked at Jesus and said to him, He's funny. He said, Jesus answered him and said, Are you the teacher of Israel? And you don't know these things? That's a challenge. No, 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 I'm with you. I don't understand. I think I believe. See, those kids, when they began to hear from God, and they took that pencil or that pen, and they put it on that paper, and they began to write. I said, I don't care how crazy it sounds. I don't care how out there it sounds. If it's something you know you can already do, it's probably not the right thing. If it's something that you already have happening in your life, it's probably not. If you can see yourself doing that in a couple years because you can make a way, it might not be big enough. And they begin to put their pencil and pen on that paper and write. And I said, what you, what you hear, what you see with a vision, what God speaks to you, it, it's going to be out there in a place that you can't, you can't imagine. Grab hold of it, like it says in Romans 5, with both hands. Grab hold of it. Latch on to it. And Jesus finishes this and he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, verse 16, we all know this, who are saved and have been in church for a while, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son, this is Jesus speaking to to Nicodemus, God did not send me into the world to condemn the world, but he sent me into this world that through me the world might be saved. And then he goes on in verse 18 and he says, He who believes in him, is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light. That you're dark spiritually. I know it's not dark right now and we live in Indiana where the sun doesn't go down until like four o'clock in the morning. And it's... Thank God we switched times, but they got, anyway, that starts me on another one. I know it's light outside, but spiritually, you're dark. And when Jesus begins to speak, when you begin to hear the truth, when he be, when that begins to click on the inside of you, something begins to move. That's the light. And the darkness and the light follow the light. But it says here that men will love darkness rather than light, because their deeds are evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. I'm not saying you're doing horrible things. But he who does the truth comes to the light. Before Jesus was born, there were 400 years of silence and darkness in the earth. 
We celebrate Christmas, Jesus' birth into this earth. Life. Light. In Isaiah 60, it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. Darkness will cover the earth. Darkness will cover the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen on you. John 12, 46, Jesus says himself, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Think about it like this. When you're in your room, maybe you're in a, a, it's dark. And your eyes have adjusted so that you can kind of make your way around in the dark. What happens when somebody turns on the light? You dive under the covers and you cover your eyes. Why? Because the such a juxtaposition of where your eyes are, are your eyes have gone toward your eyes understand darkness your spirit man knows darkness it says that men will hide their ways in the darkness that when the light comes on you're like it you're like a roach man you are out of there but listen you're not a vampire you don't just come out at night think about it people they put stuff on the windows they paint them black they cover them up with tinfoil they do all kinds why so it could be dark inside why? Because you can hide in the dark. But when God begins to speak to you, when your spirit begins to move, that's the light turning on. Now, here's the thing. When the light comes on, you can dive under the covers and put your hands over your eyes. Or if you focus on the light, what happens? You adjust to it. It doesn't bother you anymore. See, when God begins to speak something, you grab hold of that thing. You follow the light. But many of us go back and forth. And that's the worst place. When somebody turns the light on, then turns it off, then turns it on, then turns it off, all you see are spots and stuff. And you smash into things. And Why? Because you're going in and out of the darkness and the light. If you stay in the darkness long enough, you'll be able to see your way. It won't be great, but you can, you can at least begin to kind of muddle your way through. If you open your eyes to the light, the thing that he's speaking to you and the thing that he's showing you, it's going to make things clear to you in the spirit. But if you start jumping back and forth between the light and the dark spiritually in your life, you're going to be clumsy and you're going to fall over yourself and you're going to destroy your life follow the light that's all jesus came to say that's all he came to do in john 8 he said verses 31 and 32 he said jesus said to the jews who believed him he said to the people who understood believed him these aren't the people who didn't these are the people who believed him and he said i spoke to the ones who, who believed him if you abide in my word and you are my disciples indeed then you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free but he says, you got to abide, you got to abide there. You got to remain there. You got to stay there. You got to be in me. You got to know the word. You got to know the stuff. You got to be led by the spirit. You got to follow after me. You have to come after the light. If you'll do that, you'll be free. But if you don't, let's just say we do. Follow the light. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following him, I'd like to pray for you right now. 
The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus, and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.